In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Blue Wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Forrest inside. Jokic, Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, TJ McBride, and this is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Thank you guys so much for spending some time with me today. I know the NBA's silly season is in full fucking effect, but we're going to talk about all of that. And when I say we're, it is not just going to be me for once. You're going to hear from Brendan Vogt of DNVR Sports as well. Um, De- Brendan's been all over everything. He's actually worked with me on this podcast before it became Rocky Mountain Hoops. Back in the Denver Nuggets daily days, uh, Brendan was my co-host. So I've talked to him about hoops probably as much as anybody in Nuggets media. So I'm very excited to be able to chop it up with him and get into all kinds of chaotic moments. Not only... Do we get into all of the trades that have already happened, as well as the NBA draft that is coming tomorrow, or if you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, the day of this podcast that you're listening to, we also had two trade rumors drop in the middle of the show, the John Wall for Russell Westbrook swap potentially, as well as the Atlanta Hawks chasing Gordon Hayward. So not only did you get us looking at all the other trades that happened and the NBA draft, but we also got a live reaction from both of us as these trade rumors came in. So tons of fun. I mean, we might've talked for like an hour. It was a really, really fun show that we got to do. And I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I, as much fun as I had recording it with him. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I was going to do questions from listeners at the end of this podcast. I am no longer going to do that because the podcast is already so long. Instead, I'm going to roll those into the next one. So If you're waiting to hear that, I am sorry. I did not anticipate speaking for like an hour plus with Brendan. But again, lots of stuff has happened. Silly season is in full effect. So everything is kind of on a whim right now. But this podcast is brought to you by Indeed for all of your job needs. And on top of that, you also have Bet Online, who has been a long standing supporter of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Also, make sure you go um, subscribe to American Prodigy. It's a great episodic podcast that is being put on by the Blue Wire podcast about Freddie Adu and his path. So please go check all of that stuff out. And we were about to tell you about Indeed so you can get all of your hiring needs taken care of. And then I'm going to get straight into my conversation with Brendan Vogt of DNVR Sports. So thank you guys so much for being around, giving me your time of day, despite everything that is going on and letting us talk some hoops. So without further ado, take our first break and I'll be back on the other end with Brendan Vogt. (laughs) 
2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every single hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back in to the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, and I am happy to bring back the return of the pick and pod with my good, good friend, DNVR's own Brendan Vote. Brendan, how the hell are you, man? TJ, I'm good, brother. Always good to be back on the show, and uh, no off season, I guess, this time around. So none. Just None right whatsoever. Yeah. So this is one thing that I can't believe hasn't been like argued more in the public spheres. Like these teams who were in the bubble had like six weeks and everybody else had like 150 days of an off season. And everyone's like, oh, no, well, oh, well, big deal is what it is. And I can't believe that. I thought that way more teams would have been upset about this, but I guess money, money speaks in this industry. And that's kind of where we're at. I mean, there was no like convenient way to clean it up. I think you got to do what you can to get this season started to get as many. Look, the fewer games you play this year, the less money everyone makes. I know, I know. And the longer you wait, the harder it is to get the season wrapped up on time. And I really do think if you can, you want to try to contain this damage to two seasons. Um, so, I mean, look, I, I, like I'm sure if, if I were the Lakers, I'd be a little pissed. <laughs> yeah, um, or the Nuggets. Like the Nuggets, the Nuggets played season. like literally two weeks less basketball than, than the Lakers did. Like this isn't necessarily like a big gigantic difference. Like, but I'd I do be think, pissed if I was Denver. But I do think the league and, and particularly Silver is in a tough spot here. No, no yeah, easy sure. solutions to this problem for sure. But I don't really want to talk about any of that. I don't yeah, want to argue right, that. Cool. We have had so much craziness the past 36 hours or whatever it's been since the moratorium halfway lifted to allow trades to happen. And let's just go into it this way. What was your favorite chaotic moment of the last 36 hours when it comes to all these trades that have happened? It's clearly the Bruce uh, Brown trade, right? Yes. I like the Chris Paul trade the most, actually. <laughs> really? I think it was really cool to be talking about, I think, substantial, su- significant player movement that isn't just, oh, one of the top two teams mm-hmm. are getting better. The rich are getting richer. And like it's okay to me that the Phoenix Suns are going to be very good, but probably not great, a playoff team, but not a contender while Paul's there. It's okay that, that, you know, like there's a lot of middle ground between winning a title, not making the playoffs at all that I think organizations should aspire to and fan bases should enjoy and appreciate. So I just thought that was a um, fun moment for the league that doesn't make you feel 
like this is a futile exercise, you know, for those smaller markets. Although I was talking to Kendra Andrews earlier today and we were envisioning the most nug life things you can conceive of. And Denver, after making the Western Conference finals, going into the playoffs next year and losing to the sixth seeded Suns in the first round is the most nug life thing I can it is possibly true. build. And it is true. I, I kind of just find that hysterical that the Suns are now in a position to play that role, which would have never been the case. I would have never believed that, that was the case up until now. Yeah, it's just one more good team out West, which, look, I mean, the Nuggets are going to make the playoffs. They're not one of those fringe yes. teams. Yes. So it's not really devastating. They're like, one I think of the four that, locks that I'm willing to like. They are a lock right, to make the playoffs. Right. Like, I mean, if you were one of those teams fighting for 8 7 6, like, it's a huge bummer that Chris Paul's in Phoenix now. I mean, you know, if you're Denver, like, no easy roads to a title. I still think you're better than most of yeah. these teams anyway. Um, but it was just cool for the league. And, I hope it goes well. I hope it encourages Book to stay. I hope it does good things for Aiden's development. Because um, I just want to be able to watch as many good teams as possible. Yeah. As many winning cultures as possible. I, I am kind of bummed, though, because how fast the season is starting and the compression of the season, we're not going to have these teams going all out despite the level of talent that is now perfectly yeah. parried across the league, which is kind of a bummer. It's a causality of the situation that we're stuck in. But that Suns team is going to be awesome. DeAndre Ayton, I'm happy you said his name because that dude might go from, like, who knows how he's going to be able to translate to the NBA to like, wow, Chris Paul just made him an 18 and 12 right. monster on a night to night basis. And Devin Booker is going to have a field day. Devin Booker is going to take gigantic leaps with Chris Paul there. What a difference it made just to have Ricky Rubio, a true point guard for really the first time for those guys there. Now you have a true point guard that can actually shoot and that helps. Yes. So I think it's, it's, you know, look, if you're a Suns fan, you have to be more excited about your team to, you know, this week than last week, and that's what it's all about. How, how good do you think they can be? I mean, I think they're legitimately good. Like, what I, there's seed a is their cap? I don't like – I would be shocked if they're somehow a home court team out Yeah, west, that's, right? that's what – I'm a five or a six is their cap. Yeah, six probably west. seems yeah. like this seed. Like, I'd be pretty shocked to see them higher than that. But the Suns were a team that's – they're a team that's played better than their record for a couple of seasons now. And, and sure. I think adding a, a legitimate – leader in Chris Paul and floor general is going to raise their floor. Yeah. The way that they played in the bubble is closer to who they actually are than the national opinion of the Suns. In my opinion, I guess I should say they are better than they have ever really been billed as, but they aren't the only team who got better before we get to the drew and all of the other insanity and the Lakers getting Dennis, all of that stuff. Robert Covington going to Portland is gigantic. Mm. That was one of my favorite trades throughout this because it was like such a clear win for both sides. Portland had very few avenues to improving their roster. So they sent two picks, one which is a late pick in this draft, one which is protected next year to go get a guy like Robert Covington and the Rockets who have no assets. Finally get a couple of picks that they're able to utilize right. going forward. I loved that trade. And it scares me from the Nuggets point of view that Portland just got Robert Covington because that's one of those moves that you don't just get better by adding Robert Covington's talent. The way he fits with everything else is going to exponentially make that team more uh, devastating than they could be. And I'm very nervous about Portland now. No longer hopeless on the defensive side of the very ball. Very far from that. It's, I would say, like, um, shout out Adam Mata's in a vacuum. It's an overpay. But Portland, like, not not a drastic one. I mean, Roko's a really good player. It's just for sure. Like you, like you said, if you're Houston – and I came to you and I said, you can get two firsts for Rocco, even if one's protected, you're thrilled. Yep. Um, but Portland's sort of in that, la like, they're not rebuilding. They're not giving up on this little tenure. So they got to add pieces. That's probably about as 
as better as they as they could have gotten this offseason realistically. I totally um, agree with that. The other bummer, too, for Denver – I mean, look, Portland got better. still think Denver's substantially better. The I, real bummer is how great would that have been for Denver as a backup plan? Let's say Jeremy Grant goes for $18, $19 million, like you've, yeah. you've talked about, and that's too high. You know, wouldn't you have liked to be the team to trade two first for Rocco, maybe play MPJ at the four, figure something out that way? So it's an underrated move. Don't know if it moves needles for Portland, but they're better and they had to try. It's going to be fascinating as time goes along and we start getting more information about what has taken place throughout these trades talks that have happened, where we find out how much Denver was held back from when they were pursuing Drew Holiday before the Milwaukee Bucks just appeared from nowhere, dropped everything on the table and stole them at the last minute. I'm so curious what Denver could have potentially gotten their hands into if they weren't tied up with that, because that's really what it was. I mean, everybody that you would have thought about trading for Robert Covington was involved in the deal for Drew Holiday. Exactly. Nothing Denver was going to be able to do. Same with like Kelly Oubre. You would have loved to be able to be a third team and grab Kelly Oubre from uh, from the Suns when they went to go get Chris Paul. But like they would have never had a, a, a situation time wise exactly. to be involved in a conversation like that. So let's get into the Drew Holiday portion of this. Um, the Nuggets were involved. I can sit here and report that I have been told the Nuggets were involved going back to the trade deadline last year, all the way up until now, from the second the moratorium lifted to the time that Drew Holiday was traded. The Nuggets were involved in this. It's just sometimes a team will show up that is so desperate that the phone calls that you're used to getting from the team you've been talking to to trade for somebody just stops ringing because all of their attention is now on just completely heisting everything from the Milwaukee Bucks. And that's a very unfortunate event, but there's no way Denver was ever going to come anywhere near that price for Drew Holiday. Yeah, and that's not to say they weren't aggressive or trying. I mean, it certainly looks like you know, every, everything I heard secondhand running in the circles we, we run in is that they were I, absolutely evolved, involved. I hate to in, cut you off. We have breaking news. Oh, let's do it. The Rockets and Wizards have discussed a deal centered around Russell Westbrook for John Wall, oh, according to Sham gross. Sharania. I don't, this is why I had to cut you off. No, I, no, let's... Okay, let's talk about this for a second. We're, we're still already in the silly season of the NBA. Is this... I, what does this accomplish for anyone? Yeah, this is like... Is it even a lateral move? Um, For either team. <laughs> this would be two teams getting rid of their untradeable contract for the other team's untradeable contract. But why would, if you were, so this is the, the end of it says, no traction yet, Rockets are seeking more assets. In what world, as the Houston Rockets, with Russell Westbrook and his $72 billion still on his deal for the next 17 years, or whatever the hell that contract is, how could you expect more assets than getting back a guy like John Wall? Like, what world are you going to be like, oh, no, I need a first-round pick and John Wall for Russell Westbrook? Like, what is going on in Houston? Right. And if, then if you're Washington, it's just to take that, giving up additional assets just to take that same dead contract back, essentially. Yeah, like you're putting yourself in the same spot and losing an asset to get a guy like Russell Westbrook if this deal does actually materialize. I mean, that to me is our biggest sign of desperation and panic yeah. in Houston. Yeah, I mean, that's just a try anything move at that point. Try anything. Yeah, I guess John Wall in theory, would keep people's eyes on their TV screens to watch Rockets games 
and he would keep them somewhat competitive potentially in the Western Conference. I just don't see how that works. And also, what does this mean for Bradley Beal? Weren't they like excited to run it back, John Wall, Bradley Beal, and see what they can do? Hasn't that been the talking point coming out of Washington that we're not trading Bradley Beal? We're going to try and do this. We're going to see how it works. We're going to build around Bradley. John Wall is here. We're going to see how it goes. This is the opposite of that. How are you now thinking about trading for Russell Westbrook, a guy who demands the ball, does not move off ball, and is now going to play with Bradley Beal, your best player? Like This makes no sense to me. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe this is an attempt to, to start building towards a different culture. You know, like the John Wall era in Washington has, it's been a slog. Yeah. And he's like, he's still around and associated with that team, but he's not playing games. And, and so to just add, like a, to swap your face of the franchise out where the guy who's actually going to be playing, actually going to be competing and playing his hardest, you know, maybe you start moving towards building an organizational culture. That's a little healthier, but how many basketball games do you win? Um, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I don't see how this move helps either team. That's just like, that's like a Mad Libs trade. Yes, I was really just going to say that. It feels like a Mad Lib. Let's just insert point guard here, insert point guard there, and pretend a trade rumor exists. This is one of the most confusing things that what, I have seen so far. What's the John Wall timeline on health? Is he playing this year? That, that's the, so he's been in open runs throughout the offseason. So he can physically play five-on-five five basketball. So the assumption is that he'll play when the season starts. Um, but still, like what – I don't know what that does for you. Like you're trading a shooting deficient attacking guard with health concerns for a shooting deficient attacking guard with health concerns. Like this doesn't do anything for anyone except in my opinion, are likely piss off Bradley Beal. Like this might be a win for Denver in the long run. If they can finally get an opportunity to try and trade for Bradley Beal. Is Houston trying to pair Harden with John Wall? Or is this like a bat, like moving on from Harden? I have no idea. Because, like, either even when we get into that part of the discussion, I don't think there's anything substantial enough to say either direction. Like, this just feels like they're throwing darts at a board. Yeah. And like maybe, maybe this is maybe this is the reality. Maybe John Wall is the best player you can get for Russell Westbrook. Maybe that's just the reality of this. And Washington's dumb, which might potentially be the case, and they're willing to do this. I, I, I don't know what it could be, but this is weird. I knew yeah, it. Man. I absolutely knew we were going to get some ridiculous breaking what, news. By what if John Wall's in this podcast? How funny would it be if John Wall just comes back and whips ass? <laughs> He's like no, really good Tillman Fertitta does not deserve that. Yeah, I right. absolutely do not want that to – well, I want John Wall to be good. I do not want him to be good in Houston. Well, that's an interesting one, dude. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have a ton of thoughts on that. <laughs> it's two big names, but, like, what happens, you know? Like, what changes in the league because of that move? Nothing. <laughs> this is so funny. I absolutely adore this insane fucking league that makes no sense and is just this complete and utter chaos at all times. All right. I mean, let's, this has been mild so far, right? We're so uh, mild. Chris Paul was traded. Harden's on the trading block. Russell Westbrook asked out. Donald Trump is the reason people want to go. Robert Covington got two first round picks. Someone sent five first round picks for Drew Holiday on an expiring deal. This is nuts. I can't yeah. wrap my head around any of this. And this is the thing, the contract's the same. Both have a player option in 2022. So like, <laughs> this is like the name, this, this might be a trade with the most total money involved that means absolutely nothing for either team. 
It's like yeah. two eighty million dollar contracts that equate to no help on a basketball Dude, court. I, I was so far past the the idea of John Wall ever being involved in a trade rumor, like yeah. ever again. Yeah. Just seeing his name is almost jarring. And also, like, if he's been coming back and is getting healthy finally, why do you trade him before he has played basketball again? Like, the, his value cannot get lower than this. I mean, look, one of these teams is in full panic mode, and then the other team, like, maybe they just don't have a good plan. <laughs> you know, yeah, maybe, maybe this is just the Rockets and the Wizards being yeah. the Rockets and the Wizards. Yeah, like, maybe the Wizards are just wizarding. Oh God! I I had more faith in Tommy Shepard than this. Like Freddie Gibbs said, "Ball like a ball without a motherfucking ball." Like I'm Tommy Shepard. <laughs> That's what's what should be happening here, and it's not, and it's bothering me. Let's try and get back to the Drew. Yeah, Hall- what were we talking about? We were talking about how Denver was aggressive and were involved in the Drew Holiday right. box, but there just wasn't any way for them to be able to match or exceed this in any any real, realistic sense. And their assets and, and their hands were tied because that was the big move and they're mm-hmm. waiting, they're waiting. So now you lose out on guys like Rocco. Um, yeah. You know, I'll tell you the other loss is Bogdanovich, man. I mean, that, I know, that was a, I know. That was a, is cheap too strong? That was an affordable deal. Like I was I, surprised. Uh, a lot of teams value Dante DiVincenzo more than you yeah. would expect. That's the yeah. one swing here because Denver would not have a player that is of that caliber in a trade conversation with with Bogdan Bogdanovich. Like sure. they, they just wouldn't have a young asset available of that caliber. So that's why I think it worked. I think that's why it was brilliant by the Bucks to hold Dante out of getting Drew Holiday so they can then go and get a guy like Bogdan Bogdanovich. Because when I first saw the Drew Holiday deal come down for the Bucks, I was like George Hill, Eric Bledsoe. So, like they didn't get Dante. Like, how do you trade Drew Holiday and not get Dante right. DiVincenzo back? So the fact that they were able to hold on to him and then flip him for Bogey was really, really impressive work by John Horst, in my opinion. But I'm with you. That was a target for Denver. If they couldn't get another guy to come off the bench and be their spark plug to be able to help this team that they could have used. So, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, I mean, right in line on par with that sort of Jeremy Grant level of pickup, like going to be a tier two, tier three pickup in terms of how it's talked about, like how much news and buzz it gets. But that's a good team getting better. Um, and, and good on the Bucks, man. Like, you know, it's an overpay for Drew, but they oh, didn't yeah. have a choice. Yeah. And their team is a lot better than it was, I think. And to just get Drew, okay. But to go ahead and get Bogdanovich after that, um, you know, if Giannis stays – I didn't see them having that maneuverability. I didn't see them pulling that out of their ass. So I totally agree. Uh, and I think it's enough. I mean, that there's probably only one Hall of Famer on that team. Mm-hmm. And those types of teams rarely win finals. But they have Giannis, and they're in the East. Like, this isn't Charlotte trying to keep Kemba, right? Yeah, for you know? sure. For so sure. it's worth it. It's worth it. And this is the thing, too. Like, Dan Devine titled his article perfectly for this on The Ringer. They didn't trade five first-round picks for Drew. They traded five first-round picks for Drew and Giannis because this is what allowed them to keep Giannis long-term. And that is all you're trying to do in the NBA. Yep. Like, you could give away every single draft pick, screw the Stepien rule, give them all away to hold on to Nikola Jokic. You do it in a heartbeat without even thinking about it because that is the most important thing you do in basketball basketball you find a star who fits with other players and you build around them and they're doing that and they put all in to be able to do so and i wish more front offices were willing to like you know kind of like drop their balls on the table and be like this is where i'm at we're going all in and this is what i care about you do wonder though like do they have to pay 200 percent on the dollar for some of these guys like if they were a little more urgent in years past so i mean this particular dynamics maybe been talked about a little too much 
but do, like, let's say they just keep Brogdon, right? So and, and this is one thing I'll say about that. The ownership could have shifted this. So if owners don't want to pay, you can't blame the organization right. for not being able to keep them. So like, right, I've right, tried right. to step myself back because I agree with you. Like on paper, you should have just kept Brogdon. Like right. this was a twice as expensive upgrade than it needed to be. You could have had 80% of Drew and Brogdon for a fraction of the price and all your future draft picks. So all these other small market teams, like... You're trying to avoid that scenario. You're trying to avoid having to give up five firsts for the best non-all-star available. Yes. And I say that like Drew's, I think Drew's incredible, but he's not, he's not an all-NBA guy. And that's an all-NBA package. So like if you're Denver, you're just, you would have to do that same thing for Jokic. It's all about avoiding that scenario. Well, Denver wouldn't have traded this much for Anthony Davis because only one team was willing to trade this much for Anthony Davis. So like the fact that Drew on an expiring deal after never making an all-star team or an all-NBA team doing this is just it's it's mind-blowing to me. What what I'm curious about are the impacts on the markets because the last handful of star trades we've had have had these really extenuating circumstances surrounding them. Like you just said, okay, it's not just trading for Drew, I'm also trading for Giannis. Well, the Clippers sort of did the same thing with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, right? Yeah. Um, and then, like, the Lakers had freaking LeBron James who was saying, no, go do this. Yeah. Like, those are scenarios in which you don't really have much of a choice. Yeah. Um, and so, when the Wizards, if the Wizards do one day decide to shop Beal, do they have that leg to stand on? You know, like, will the market ever reset? Or will they be looking to get three firsts and two swaps? <laughs> the, the interesting part of this question is, what does it take for the market to reset? Like, is that going to happen at the trade deadline? Is it going to happen next offseason? Like, what is yeah. it going to take? Because, like, for me right now, and it's funny, I was talking to a buddy at Clutch Sports, and he sent me a text, and he was like, based on what Drew just got, it's not mechanically possible to trade James Harden based on what people are going to want. Because with the Steppian rule, you can only trade draft picks within the within seven years of where you are, and you can only trade them in back-to-back years. So even if you sent four first-round draft picks, which requires you to draft four of them this year and three pick swaps, that's still only an extra pick and a player for Harden compared to Drew when Harden has three years on his contract. Right. Like, there's no way. And the other part of this that I think is fascinating when it comes to the Harden part, Tillman Fertitta is dumb. He's going to be like, well, Drew Holiday got five picks. Why can't I? Well, not everyone has five picks to give you, and you have a very disgruntled star going to leave you with nothing. But I don't think that'll ever get through to him. It's like the whole money ball scenes with the owner where the owner just doesn't get it and has no idea of what it actually takes to win. And this might end up being one of those scenarios. I don't think James Harden gets traded now. I mean, the only two teams that have the draft capital to do it now are like the Thunder and the Pelicans. And so that's why it probably doesn't happen this year. I agree with you. There's only really one team or one offer. I think that makes sense. And that would be the Ben Simmons conversation. Yeah, I agree with that. With Ben Simmons, that's enough value in a legitimate top 10 caliber player. Not saying I'd put him there in the moment, but that you go, okay, I don't need four first round. Like if it's Ben and some picks, we're talking, but I agree with you that, that if it's, if, if teams are trying to add up a bunch of little assets to make them, appear like something bigger if it's just draft capital um i think that market's all skewed for for at least the time being 
for sure. The Nuggets were stunned. Like, I can confirm Mike Singer's report that he had last night as well. Like, the Nuggets were blown away. After I saw the initial report come out that Drew had been traded, I reached out, and I was like, so how close were you guys? Like, I don't know what this draft compensation is yet. None of us did. He goes, from what I heard, we weren't anywhere near what Milwaukee just dropped to get Drew. So, like, no one was expecting this. They were all stunned by it. Um, Now, though, moving forward, what are you – do you think Denver has anything else up their sleeves? I maybe I'm not I don't know what it is I really do think that's like the, the thing yeah I feel the, you there because it again it we, we hit on this it wasn't just missing out on Drew it was Rocco and then Bogdanovich which I think were a lot of people sort of mm-hmm. sleeper card up their sleeve type of moves you know we'll have to see this is they can you can argue they can wait they can wait for the wave of Bradley Beal or whoever the next guy is um because they're, they might say, hey, we're really confident and, and we're really content to just sit back and see how MPJ develops as the third piece this regular season. So I, at this point with the pieces that are gone, I, I don't think I'd be – I'm pretty sure they're just going to run this thing back for the most part. And I want to make this clear. It might be the smart play to do this, not because you want to stand pat, but if everybody just blows every – round in the chamber right now in this trade market how many teams are going to have enough left to make a deal for a guy like bradley beal there's only two other teams other than denver if houston ends up trading hard into brooklyn as all of these reports keep putting out there if that happens there are three teams who can make legitimate offers for bradley beal it's um oklahoma city it's New Orleans, it's Denver. That's Boston, the way that I'm looking at this right Boston now. Boston too, maybe. Boston maybe, but again, right now, they might be like, there's a report that, they're, that they might trade Kemba to Chicago, like Gordon yeah. Hayward, who knows what's going on there. There's so many moving parts. And don't forget, they got to pay Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. So they might all of a sudden be out of room to even make a move like that without trading one of the two of them. So like Denver is one of the only teams where the next like three years can go by and they'll still have the flexibility to make a move like this. So this could be very advantageous that they sit out of this chaos and wait for the next one to kind of happen where they're one of the few teams involved, not one of the 20 teams involved. I was all for getting aggressive, you know, and the team trying to get better, but I don't think they're in, there's a difference between being aggressive and urgency. And I don't think they should feel so much of the latter that there's a panic move that happens to me. The real appeal in drew was that this was probably the peak in terms of, of talent that you could get in terms of a guy that may not have cost that much because yeah. prior to the Bucks offer, it looked like you could get this done without touching the core. Right. Yeah. And so, okay, you add a guy like drew um, maybe it's not a home run move, but I didn't push all my chips in. Yeah, for sure. And so that was the appeal. And so what I would be wary of is then turning around here sort of, and then throwing all these assets at, at a sort of panic backup move, you know? So, yeah, that's what I was going to ask next. So let's just throw out two names that are potentially on the board that Denver could play with in the idea of trading for somebody. Victor Oladipo, Bradley Beal. Or not Bradley Beal, sorry, Buddy Heald. Yeah. Either of those two interest you at all? No, those are great examples of exactly mm-hmm. what I was just saying. You know that's what I why mean? why I wanted to ask this question. is specifically and why. <laughs> it's really, to me, it's the Victor Oladipo question, right? Like, yeah. oh, we missed out on Drew. So do we go, you, you know, speaking as if I'm the Denver Nuggets, which of course I'm not, you know, so do, do we go get him now? And Oladipo, man, I would not. I, the, 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 the injury concerns, um, just the air, unceremonious ending to his time in Indiana, you're like, you're opening up more questions than you're answering, I think, so. 
I agree with that for sure. Uh, Buddy Heald, any thoughts? Shooters with Jokic is nice, but that's an expensive shooter who, you know, he, you're not, not you're three not, and D three and three as Adam Mata so exactly. put it. That's the thing about Buddy Hewitt. You just want to say three and D, and then you're like, half of that feels wrong. Yeah, because so. yeah. it is entirely wrong. <laughs> and let's be very honest, he was not like a very productive locker room guy on his last little time there in in Sacramento. I mean, so just, I, I'm I with think, you on this. Yeah, he doesn't want to stand and shoot. Um, also, there is one deal like, for him I like. The idea of sending Gary, Will, and a first for Buddy Heald and Nemanja Bialica is somewhat appealing because you get the front court depth, you get the shooting. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, that's like, are you really moving the needle kind of a move? So I, I'm with you that it's not worth it overall. What part of my day has been about is investigating um, where this Buddy Heald rumor, I, I've I, I don't know about this all day and I don't know why. It was just like a, it was like an NBA Central Twitter account right. like sure, rumor, sure, and I was just like Legion Hoops put it out there without crediting somebody, and that's basically how this hey, rumor we, started. We did a whole show today on a non-James Harden trade rumor <laughs> to Denver. So, so wait, where do you fall on the Harden? Like, it should should Denver call about Harden? Not should they get him? I'm not even going to go there yet. But should Denver even be interested in calling to see what it would take? I mean. Every team should call about a top 10 guy. I'm you with know? you. It's James fucking Harden. Like, every, you call and yeah. see what's up. Every team should call. I mean, like, like Harden and Jokic, that's a top two duo in the league right mm-hmm. there. So, but look, like, I don't know if either Murray or Harden could be primarily off-ball players at this point. <laughs> Third legs. Um, the package you'd have to put together to get them. The questions that would create with chemistry – um, you know, there's so many reasons why it, it, it's such a gamble despite so all the talent. Yeah. It takes so much to get a guy like James Harden. It takes so much. So if Denver wanted to, this is how it would financially work. Again, I'm not saying this is like what Denver should do, but just to get one player in this deal in James Harden, Denver would have to send Will Barton, Gary Harris, Michael Porter Jr., and then one of Vlaco, PJ Dozier, or Monte Morris. And then you're talking about three to four first-round picks that are all likely unprotected in addition to Mike. Michael Porter Jr. Like, no way. Denver's not doing that. I'm not willing to go to that level at all. So I'm out on that idea. Yeah, and like, let's just, as we, you know, we talked about this on the DNBA show. Who are we kidding? Like, James Harden doesn't want to be in Denver. No, there's like two strip clubs in all of Denver. Like, where he can come into Denver, this is not the place for him. It is, though, I am really fascinated by where he goes just because – and this is a bona fide top 10, if not like top six, if not top three guy, like mm-hmm. depending on who you ask. And any other guy of that talent level, you go, wherever he goes, they are now like instant contenders. But it's really hard to envision how James Harden would look in any other system. Yes. Right now. Yes. How does he play in anything else other than Harden ball? Other like, than that's Harden all ball. we know. And it, because like, the last time we saw him play any style other than that was Oklahoma City, which was a long a time ago. ago. It was like pre beard. Like, that's how far back you're going. It's like borderline Arizona State Harden that you got to go back and watch. Like, I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Um, did you have any more trade shenanigans that silly season conversations that you wanted to have? I find it funny that we didn't even get to the Lakers getting to getting Dennis Schroeder. That's hysterical to me. Like, yeah, what do you get to it? <laughs> do you have thoughts on that? I think it's a great deal for the Lakers. They got a, a, 
a guy who is at least somewhat serviceable as a shooter, not a great shooter, but Dennis Schroeder can score. He is a much better creator and more explosive guy than they had in the backcourt before. Um, and I think getting rid of Danny Green in the pick is fine. I mean, the, the move is very whatever. Like, I, I think it helped them marginally, as, as yeah. a lot of these moves were going to. Um, I think that from the New Orleans point of view, though, that's a fantastic trade. Or from the Oklahoma City point of view, mm. it's a great trade because you are now getting Danny Green, who I guarantee you some team will throw a very bad first-round pick at at the trade deadline. And you also get another first-round pick. So, like, that's a win and for it's both this, sides. The Lakers pick yeah. this. The 28th year, right? pick in the draft. So you go like, if I'm a Thunder fan, you just go pray to the Desmond Bain gods that we somehow get him at 28. Desmond Bain. Which I saw you tweet about this today. Do we just get the every, draft? Yeah, I'm right, down. Right. Can, so sorry, but everyone loves Desmond Bain. Like every individual, yeah. if you talk to them, they go, oh yeah, he's great. And then you check all the mock drafts and it's like, 24 and you're like why i don't get it it's well he's older he's a senior so he's an yeah. older player which is always like i'm so sick of that being a knock on players especially in the 20s or just anything late lottery and on in the first round like i don't care if you're a senior at that point right i'm not looking for my next especially superstar. when there's so many teams especially in this draft this draft yep. has no clear talent everyone has flaws and there are so many teams who are financially strapped who need help right now like the idea that desmond bain is not a lotto pick in this draft is mind-blowing to me and this is something that i've heard from multiple teams which is just, it's what's so funny i was talking to an nba draft dude and um he was telling me that from what he had heard from NBA teams is that they are all surprised that each other are not picking Desmond Bain. And it's I almost know. like this chicken game. And I don't get it. Is it that he it's like his wingspan that we don't know. He's got a negative wingspan. It's one inch shorter than I'll tell It kind of makes him a weird tweener I don't where you care. go at the next level. Like he's Mikhail Bridges with a little bit less of a wingspan. Like that's a really helpful player. I do think there are a lot of players that it's like in in this first round outside of the lottery where you go, oh, that dude's going to be in the back of a rotation sooner rather than later, yeah. if not right away. Well, Desmond um, Bain could help almost any team in the NBA right now. To me, he seems like an obvious Miami pick. Yeah, Like sure. I keep seeing them picking at 20 and I don't know why that, you know, they wouldn't do that. The shooter off movement, like smart guy, really, yeah. really coachable. So I'm all in on him. And I'm sorry, I don't care about his wingspan because he moves so well on the perimeter. Like, he's still 6'6 and moves well on the perimeter. Like, if you put him at shooting guard and ask him to defend, a, a, you know, a, an opposing lead guard, he has all of the tools to do that. Like, he's still 220 pounds. Like, there's no reason that the negative wingspan should scare teams away so much that he falls into the mid-20s. There is he, does no so he does yeah. so much well. He does so much well. On ball, off ball. I mean, he's not... He's not a point guard, but he's one of the better non-point guard passers in the draft. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. Um, well, he just makes smart the, passes. He reminds me of Monte. Smart passes. He's not yep. flashy. He just always makes the right read. Can shoot off movement. So, like, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of avenues to him being a valuable player in the NBA. And then it's just like anyone who's been around, like, uh, reading all these articles about teams who have interviewed him or talked to him or worked out with him, and it's like, oh, he's a plus plus character guy. Yeah. Like he's about it. So, uh, I'm all in on the Bane train, man.
I'm running this new theory in my head that as we, especially with the coronavirus impact on the financials of the league, you're going to see a lot of the smarter contending teams drafting four-year college players who are ready to help right away, as opposed to looking for help at veteran minimum deals in, um, in free agency. Like very similar to Denver getting Monte Morris and being like, here's our backup point guard, we're done. It was at the 56 pick, so who cares? This was basically free for us, but we picked a dude we know can help right now. And I think that we're going to see more and more and more of that especially because front offices keep getting more and more and more intelligent so i really do think we're going to see that continue as a trend and i hope denver does take doesn't like if he falls to 22 again gigantic smile on my face calling in the first 15 seconds to draft him that's where i'm at with him um yeah yeah and it go seems ahead. like he might be there seems like he might be honestly there at he might um who yeah. else do you like at 22 you've been diving in the draft quite a bit this year yeah two name one name that seems to be pretty consistently placed in the early twenties, Josh green, sometimes yeah, late teens. Yeah. Um, I, I, the path to cracking an NBA rotation, consistent catch and shooter, mm-hmm. which he shows a lot of promise as this is a, a, an actual sort of three and D guy who I think can guard one through three, you know, like a longer Gary Harris. Yeah. There are, there is some hope, you know, if you read the profiles, the optimistic high end projections that, you know, maybe he has the touch to have a little pull-up game. You know, he can put the ball on the floor a little bit to attack overzealous closeouts as a slasher. But I don't – that's all icing on the cake. To me, if it's just a guy that plays great D and can hit open threes, um, it's someone Denver can use. And, and I just love the idea of Josh Green, a guy who probably would have been drafted a lot higher in a world where he didn't deal with two so- shoulder injuries in back-to-back yeah. seasons. I just, I cannot get away from the redundancy between him and Gary Harris. Like, it's one thing that when I watch him, I'm like, dude, this guy is literally following the same trajectory that Gary, you know, injuries aside, in terms of the skills that they bring. I know, dude. Well, I, all the way down to uh, a propensity for a bad floater, by the yep, way. Yep. Affinity like, for a bad floater. I'm so happy you said that because I'm not the only one that saw this clearly. It cracked me up, dude. But I, and I know, man, because this whole time I was sort of thinking Gary was probably going to be gone in the Drew trade. Nah, that, that um, Gary will be in Denver next year as far so, as I as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, you know, maybe it's still a good backup plan, insurance plan. I mean, there's almost, unless you're going for a backup big, I don't see how you're drafting someone that plays right away anyway. I think they're going to be looking for a backup big. I for think that reason. So I have all, I mean, even when I've done my digging about who Denver likes, it always seems to come back to power forward centers who can help right away, but have a little bit of upside anyway. Like that just seems to be the archetype of player that Denver consistently so, so, okay. Jaylen my favorite, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Yeah. Smith. I'm happy you're here with me on this one. He's been my guy the whole time. People yeah. keep bashing his mobility and like that he's stiff. He's a, he is a little stiff. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's like mobile like Rudy Gobert, but like the dude can move. Like his end-to-end speed is great. He just doesn't turn his hips as quickly as some guys do. Yeah, he's not going to guard you're not asking him to like switch on not- to Steph Curry and like hold him on the perimeter. Like, and this is the thing though, slower guards, he can contain, like he knows how to get into a stance and be wide. And he is athletic as hell. I also think in my time covering the nuggets, I don't know about you. Like they haven't really had a rim protector. Mm-hmm. And if you can add one and he's a legit rim protector, or at least has that potential. If you can add one that's not useless on the offensive end, a guy who yeah. can maybe pick and pop a little bit, stretch the floor. Yeah. I just think that's a big win at 22. I mean, the mobility stuff's a concern, but I mean, shit, if he was mobile, he'd be a lottery pick. 
If so, he was mobile, he'd be a top five pick. Yeah, like that, right. literally, that's how good this guy can be. I mean, this is the thing. It's not just that he can, is athletic and can play above the rim. The dude can pass way better than people are giving him credit for. Like his feel at the high post blew me away to a degree. Like he had issues where like doubles would come, he'd feel the pressure and make a bad decision. But like that's young people playing basketball. I'm not concerned about that yet. But he has the ability to pass in a way that I did not expect. He is a true three and D big. Like he can shoot off movement. He can shoot with the off a live dribble, believe it or not. And he can be a spot up trailer. Like there's a lot of things he can do offensively that have not been refined yet. So Jalen Smith is the guy for me. Like I am all in. Like if it's me and Desmond Bain's not there, I'm going Jalen Smith because he can immediately play with or without Jokic as well. And that's huge for a big in, in Denver, in my opinion. Although, uh, you know, again, he's another guy who, like, I personally, I look at the board. I'm like, why would he still be there after 18? Like, why? I know. Um, But if he's there, to me, that's definitely the pick. Who are some other big guys you like? Because I agree that they're probably – how do you feel about Stewart? I don't like Isaiah Stewart. He is so mad. Like, he's a good It's the underwhelming pick, isn't it? Like, why are you drafting Paul Millsap in 2020? Like, why are we doing this? He's Paul Millsap? Okay, he's Paul Millsap's archetype when he got drafted into the league. A tweener who doesn't shoot it well enough to stretch the floor yet, but is tough as hell, works hard. That's what I mean by that. Like, Paul Millsap was the the rare exception that matured every single aspect of his game every single year. Like, let's not pretend that that happened. Yeah, Yeah, like, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But, like, they entered the league the same player. That's the way that I view Isaiah Stewart. And for me, why are you drafting a guy like that in 2020 when you have a team as unique as Denver? I don't see it. I don't get it. Um, I, there's plenty of rumors. Like Kevin O'Connor full-blown said that Denver's interested in him. So, like, it's very possible. Right. I just we, don't we've like seen, that much. We've seen his name linked. You know, Singer's put it out there. I mean, Yeah, Singer did um, too. I forgot about that. I mean, Singer's I think all of us are. are <laughs> yeah, shout out Mike Singer. I think all of us are, are sort of aware that Stewart's on that radar yeah. at this point. Yeah. Um, to me, he's a backup five, but then, he's he? a short, but then he's a short backup five, isn't he? I have him as a power uh, forward. He's like a legit six eight. Like six nine. He's got a long. He's got a long wingspan and standing. Yeah, he's like seven one. I hear you, man. I mean, I also just don't think. Like, I think this is sort of a high floor, fill a limited role pick. Like, you're not projecting him to be anything more than a backup big. Well, that Um, it's like a stopgap. It's like we might lose Millsap this year and need someone to soak up some minutes. That's what a drafting of Isaiah Stewart feels like to me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not even that I necessarily think it would be a bad pick. I just. There's a handful of guys they could take at 22 where we would all look at each other in the media room and go, oh, this is fun. This is exciting. And I I don't think Stewart's one of those So let's go on to the exciting part. Let's just go best player available. Let's just go. I don't care helping now, helping five years from now. If you're at 22, who is a player on your list that is like a best player available candidate? Yeah, so we already hit on my two favorites. Or my three favorites, really. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Did you have anybody else before I jump in and throw a name out there you're probably going to hate? Uh, well, what do you think of – because I feel like one of these two guys might slide. What do you think of Tyrese Maxey and Cole Anthony? If, if Tyrese Maxey falls, that's massive. That is huge. Like, there is no reason that he should be picked outside the teams. None whatsoever, in my opinion. He is that good of a player. Smart as hell, works hard, is a dog. Like, he's one of those fighting guards yeah. who just doesn't give a shit what his size is. I love Tyrese Maxey. I mean, a little redundant because the Dunkets do have so many ball handlers. Like, right. you know, you have Monte, Jamal, you have potentially Will Barton coming back, and PJ, who you just signed. And, and like, Tyrese is, is 
you know, more of a get himself going ball handler, yeah, for sure. some secondary playmaking ability, but not He's really like a... He's a guy off the bench that you can swing the ball to on the opposite side of the court. Yeah, shot out of a cannon, right? Punch yeah. off the bench. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that would be... So we saw Tim Kyle like in that Tyrese video Matthews, say yeah. that they're just going to take, you know, that's the best what player I was, available. Alex Labada put that story up today from nonnuggets.com. And, so that's why I asked this question. And Maxi would probably, like, at 22, that's insane value if he were to somehow slide. Really, really good defender. Only 6'3", though. Mm-hmm. And then probably not really a point guard. No. And then not, not he's got in some the, Pat Bev vibes. Not necessarily right, that same right. like intensity, but like in terms of the skill set and archetype. So like he's good enough, but I actually think it's a little unclear, like sort of what role he steps into in the NBA right away and where you play him. I think it's gonna be. And tough. if you already have PJ, man, like I feel like PJ is as good of a defender right now, and he's bigger. So like it's so longer. Yeah, like it's I just, just longer. I will just. I, don't I get your point though, because I like Maxi as a player. This is not to say that Maxi's a bad player. It's just no, it's just a ton player. of value at the pick if yeah. he's there. So my guy that I think would be fascinating, especially because Denver has the ability just to take swings and misses at this point, R.J. Hampton. Mm. What do you think of R.J. Hampton? Because you know, barely played, got hurt in Australia, so we don't. It's a very mysterious pick. Seems like a real Tim Connolly pick. Yes, um, I was, this is, yes. Reminds uh, me of Will Barton a little bit too. He, yes, Hampton. yes, I agree with that. But more athletic, like more the athletic, first step. less of a shooter. Yeah. yeah, yes, less, a little less skilled, a little less polished, more, more like quicker first step. But that that unorthodox kind of herky jerky thing Barton's got yeah, going on, he just slithers sure. around out there. He just feels like a street baller. Like he feels like a guy you just go throw yeah. and pick up, and he just cooks anybody in front of him. Yeah, I mean you got to like Hampton's like size athleticism you know what i mean he, there's six 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 nine wingspan explosive yeah. as hell like it's right an nba you. caliber player i just think it's a little bit more of a project oh totally you he's know? not helping you for two and a half years in denver probably <laughs> like it's gonna take right. some time for him to earn minutes in denver i almost like to me what would be exciting about rj hampton for denver would be like eventually flipping rj hampton <laughs> no it's a good point <laughs> you know what i mean a great point well my favorite thing is when i asked people about rj hampton a third will tell you that there is like a legitimate star ready to be built in that dude's ability to play basketball. Another yeah. third will be like, I am not touching him. I don't want anything to do with his personality in our locker room. And then there's the people in the middle who are like, maybe we can just like finesse this right in the middle of everything and create one hell of a role player. I don't think anybody actually knows what to do with them. So yeah. I, I like the idea of RJ Hampton way more than I like the real realistic outcome of coming away with him. Uh, but another name that you brought up, Cole Anthony. I love Cole Anthony. I shouldn't love Cole Anthony in Denver, but I love Cole Anthony. Are you of the same mindset? Cole Anthony can shoot. Cole, Cole Anthony, Anthony can play. Can play. Man, that dude is just like, he reminds me of just like an old school dog guard who's just like, I'm just going to go out there and attack. It also would be really fun. Maxie a little bit this way too. I mean, both of them. Denver just cannot guard those tiny little cards. I know. They can't defend them. Those high energy, just like knifing through the trees. Yeah. It would be dope if one of those guys was on the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> I really like the idea of Cole Anthony coming off the bench, replacing Jamal Murray or playing alongside of him and just having that amount of firepower. I really yeah. enjoy the idea of it. Yeah. I mean, I like it more than Maxi with the fit just because I think he's more of a shooter to a certain extent, but there is some, some redundancy issues of like, they have so much scoring, you know what I mean? I know, I know. Um, and I, and I don't know, like Anthony can put the ball on the floor can play, making a pinch, but again, like 
I don't know if this is a guy that's ever really going to be running an offense or anything like that. No, 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 no. I do not project him like that. Like he's, he's a, the, the Lou Williams of like an explosive athlete version of Lou Williams. Like he's not going to be the guy that you're like, please run our offense efficiently. Like that's not what he does. These are two names where I think at 22, it's not, Oh, they make a ton of sense in Denver. It's just, oh, they're very good. Well, These yeah, are really and again, good Tim Connolly said today that they were going to draft best player available. So this is this is why I asked the question because I just yeah. found it interesting. There's one more name that's a big that I think is going to get thrown around. Uh, or actually, two more names in terms of best player available: Precious Ashua and Mister Poku himself. Mm. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Precious or on Poku? Precious scares me a little bit, man. Yeah, um, me too. You know, a lot of the defensive stuff, I know it was a good year for him in that regard, but it feels like optimistic thinking. He screams like, Montrez Harrell to me. That's what I mean. Like, there's, yeah. we talk about, like, oh, he's this, like, high-motor athlete who should be able to defend all these positions. But I kind of see him as someone who might end up being, like, a, a just a not-great defender. If motor is your, like, main defensive skill, you have already doomed yourself as a defender at the NBA level. Yeah. Like, I'm not sold on the versatile like defensive versatility when everyone's favorite comps are like Harold and Farid. You know? Yeah, man. Like I'm with you on this. I'm 100% um, with you on Beast that. on the boards, but like offensively, I don't, doesn't seem like he has much of a feel for the game, a bit of a chucker. So yeah. it's an athlete. It's a body. Like this is yeah. a modern NBA body type. Mm-hmm. But I'm not wild about the pick, personally. I'm with you. Uh, Poku, I, <laughs> everyone wants to just love Poku. I'm not there. I'm not. It's going to be so long before he even remotely can do anything at the NBA level. I'm not there. Yeah, I just don't even know. Like, I have thoughts, and then I'm like, man, this is a B-level Serbian teenager who I've seen, like, some grainy YouTube footage of, you know? <laughs> like, there's a lot of questions. Um, oh. But I love the idea just because, like, Screw it, man. Let's as many six ten plus guys that have weird skill sets as tall you can ball. add. Tall ball twenty twenty, man. Let's do it. So like, it's just so funny because like you just got the Serbian ball ball. Like that's what Poku is to me on the Denver Nuggets. It's like we want to get all the versatility, but like, what are you gonna do with all of these guys? I just I don't I, I like Poku in five years. I don't know what the hell he is until then though. So it's gonna be fascinating what Denver does. I can't wait to see. Do you think they trade up or down, or do you think? Well, yeah, I was gonna ask you if you have targets in either range because I kind of do. So like, I have targets in the top ten. But I like. I don't think Denver's trading a top ten anymore. Me too. After the Drew thing. Yeah, I think the that's only that reason. About, right? Yeah. So like, it's funny because Singer and I were talking because like we were hearing a lot of the same stuff. So we've been kind of like texting back and forth, confirming shit. And from what I understand, the top ten pick was to go get Drew. So yeah. now that Drew is not happening, I have a very. Like, I, I tweeted this last night. Like it is speculating, but I don't see any reason for Denver to now trade a future asset to move up in a draft when you can get somebody very very similar that falls right. anyway especially if you're just drafting best player available doesn't feel like a like a big time trade-up draft uh one guy i do like if you did trade like let's just say they happen to find sure. a way to easily trade up i like denny um avdija i really like denny um the israeli De- multi-forward uh Devin Vis- i like him not as a top 10 pick um, he's one of the guys that I felt like should have fallen and Desmond Bain should have been picked higher. Like if, if, if like I'm taking Desmond Bain over, De- over Devin Vassell. 
Wow. I understand the defensive capabilities that Vassal has, but there are players who are more prepared for NBA basketball. And my new thing when I've been like analyzing this draft is what combinations of skills translate to the NBA. So like Shea Gilgis Alexander, he had the size first of all, but he also had the changing of speed and the understanding of how to use his size to finish. Not very many people come into the league with that combo of skills and it allowed him to immediately create space. I don't think Vassal has a combination of skills to immediately impact a game right now. I think that Desmond Bain does. So that's kind of how I have been shifting my perspective and how I view this draft because I think that there are so many players who could be picked all over the place. It's more about identifying what's most important to you. And for me, NBA readiness from the Nuggets point of view mm. is the most important thing right now. So that that's kind of where my thought process exists. But I'm with you that they're probably not trading. I mean, they're not trading up anyway. So yeah. there, there are guys where I don't know if this is trading back or if this is just buying a second round pick. Um, I've got a short list. You let me know if any of these guys pop to you. Four names. Uh, Tillman. I like um, Tillman. Paul Reed. Yep. I like him too. Tilly. And Isaiah Joe. All, all are fine. Like, again, I don't think any of them help you right away. I don't think any of them are necessarily going to be role players in a couple years, but, like, they're justifiable swings. Yeah. As the second round should be. That's exactly what the second round should be. Is like, this guy has a chance to be a good player. So... It's fine, but I'm not trading anything to get into the second round. I'm just not. Right. Would you, plus, buy, would you buy a pick? Well, I think it's irrelevant because there's no way after coronavirus, COVID-19, shutting down every single sport so that the Cronkies who own sports teams in like every league that exists are going to suddenly start buying picks. So I'm not like, – I, I, I probably would just because there's probably going to be more than a handful just available for cash, but I don't think that they will. I think it would be yeah. a smart decision. I just don't think they will. Um, last thing, there is one two-way contract spot left on the Nuggets roster if Bull Bull is still on the two-way. Is there anybody in this draft that you would like potentially to fill that role? Not someone that Denver would draft or even buy a second round pick, but someone who might fall through the cracks that you could try and bring in for a two way. Oh man. I hadn't thought about that, dude. I just um, started playing with this idea recently. So just if goes you don't all have the way it, undrafted. Uh, I don't, I don't have a short list for that. What, do, what are you thinking? So for me, I'm looking at, it's tough because who's going to fall in this draft. No one really knows. Um, for me, I'm looking more overseas. I'm looking at guys like Facundo Campazzo. If suddenly you can't get an extension with Monte Morris and you want to try and bring a guy in overseas, you might be able to sign him to a two-way that will eventually be converted to an NBA deal to get him into the NBA. Um, in this draft, I don't have a whole lot of guys because I don't think this draft is actually as deep as people make it sound. There's like 29 players who are good players. And outside of that, it really starts to fall off in my opinion. So I'm not like super sold on anybody in the second round, but if a guy like Cassius Stanley ends up falling really, really, really far, a guy who's just an athlete right now, that would be a very nice pickup on a two-way contract if he doesn't get drafted. But we'll just have to wait and see. I really don't know at this point. Something that popped into my head, so I figured I'd ask. But Brendan, do you have any other thoughts on silly season? Um, <laughs> I mean, yes. Denver Nuggets-related thoughts. I think that's it, man. I'd be surprised if there are any big splashes at this point which I know feels disappointing um, until they improve their record and then make the conference finals again. Like they seem like they seemingly keep doing every year. So um, yeah, I don't think, how do you feel about the Drew thing now that it's all said and done? In terms of what? From Is what this a missed opportunity? No, 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 no. Denver should have never gone to that level. No. The level of desperation that the Bucks had compared to what the Nuggets had is the difference in the trade. And it's exactly the way it should have been. That's it. Like, I'm not going to, 
I already wrote that like if Denver wants to compete, you don't try to avoid the luxury tax and you don't avoid paying guys what they deserve to be paid. This is not that. You also don't mortgage your entire future when you don't need to to get a guy who could walk in a year. And also from what I had heard through like the the weeds or whatever you want to call it is that Drew Holiday wanted a three-year $90 million extension if for whatever team traded for him. Mm. No way Denver could have afforded that with Jamal, with Nicola, with everybody else on the roster. Barton and Harris still having their deals going forward. So I'm okay with this. This makes yeah. sense. And I, I'm 100% okay with it. Yeah, um, anybody ta- in free? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. And well, I was just saying, talking about that with the DNVR Nuggets guys on the group chat. I think relief. I think relief is permeating yeah. Nuggets Nation today in that, you know, the idea of being aggressive made a lot of sense, but the longer it went, it, it, the more it looked like, okay, is this going to be a ridiculous move? Is this going to get too silly? Um, and in a way, there's something relieving about Milwaukee just taking it out of Denver's hands. Yeah, for sure. I totally <laughs> agree with that. And again, I will never forget getting a text and being like, I don't know why the Bucks paid this much for Drew, but here we are. So um, last question, anything in free agency that you think Denver should do? Is there a move out there or a signing that you think Denver should do? Yeah, I just don't know if they're going to get them, man. I mean, Who? Surge would be wonderful. Ooh, I like um, that. Is that, a, I, is that if you don't get a guy like um, Jeremy Grant back in Denver? Yeah, probably, because I, I don't think you – no way you'd be able to do both, right? Um, yeah. Are there sign-and-trade possibilities? Um, have you thought about Gordon Hayward at all? So as you say this, funny enough, we have our second breaking news of the podcast. Wow. The Atlanta Hawks are in play to acquire Gordon Hayward from the Boston Celtics. Oh, no shit. Okay, so Gordon Hayward's off the table. Shouts to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, who's been killing it as well. Um, the Atlanta it's a, Hawks. Huh? The Atlanta Hawks. Another team that should be involved in Gordon Hayward, by the way, in my opinion, is the, is the Portland Trailblazers. They should be trying to get Gordon Hayward right now. Wait, so how would this um, – would this it's help a sign Denver? Trade. No, but I'm saying as far as the Jeremy Grant competition goes. Well, the Jeremy Grant competition was already cut down because the Suns are now out of room. Um, If the Hawks did get Gordon Hayward, that would most likely remove them as well because this is a sign-and-trade into cap space, so they would be losing their cap space as well. So then you're left with the Knicks who might trade for Russell Westbrook or whatever the hell the fucking Knicks are going to do. And I was it Dallas that had some cap space left? I think it was Dallas. Anecdotal. I have. I'm not looking at any smart technology in front of me, so I have no fucking idea. But okay, so well, you're Gordon down Hayward, to two teams. I've, if I believe Dallas is the second team, but you're down so to two Gordon teams. Hayward moving to Atlanta and mm-hmm. staying east is definitely a win for Denver. Huge. Yes, definitely. Uh, the only other option in the West, and it's one less team with cap space to get Jeremy Grant. The only other name I was going to throw out there, and I just think it's like sort of just past that threshold of like, is this worth it? Um, Davis Bertans. He, it, I would love the idea. You're not going to pay a dude $16 million a year to come off the bench and shoot the basketball from deep. Strong agree. And no. so I think, TJ, I am officially on team run it back at this point. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, it's, I think one that's guy. okay. There's that's one a, oh, guy you're missing. Hit me. Danilo Gallinari. Back in Denver on the mid-level exception, coming off the bench as the six-man candidate of the year. So I'm in. It just doesn't. Doesn't seem like there's any traction there, huh? 
Well, there hasn't been any conversation about anything, Gallo. So, like, what are we pretending yeah, that there's that's any also okay. I would, that's No true. one has any idea. Um, yeah. The one thing that, that concerns me is that now that Miami didn't get Drew and they're not going to get Giannis most likely because Giannis is probably going to sign the Supermax. They're probably going to go try and get Gallo. Um, but it makes so much sense. Like, I keep getting Matt Moore on my fucking mentions being like, really, anything is going to happen? I love Matt to death. But, like, yes, Gallo does make sense in Denver. Like, it's always good to have, you know, small forward, power forward combos who can shoot the ball, get to the rim, play late in games, or smart positional defenders. Like, that's a win, no matter what. I'm just still with Matt in that, I mean, he makes sense as a basketball player on Denver. I just don't think I would see him signing with the Denver Nuggets at this point in his career. And I think he's still a touch too good. Like, I, I, don't, think I, I don't disagree with that. You might want him coming off the bench in a slightly smaller role than he's like, I don't know if I would say willing to accept. He's just still a little too good, you know? Yeah, but like, um, there's like a but, 20 to 25 minute uh, per night player to like be your safeguard for a Michael Porter Jr. injury or rough stretch. Like the man. Idea- Amazing. If Gallo's like full MLE, I'll come in off the bench and I am all in. I'm a team guy. I'm with it. Then like, I mean, chef's kiss, dude. Dude, it's perfect. I mean, yes. And this perfect. is the thing. He still lives in Denver. His mother still lives in Denver. He's always working out in Denver with, with former strength and conditioning coach of the Nuggets, Steve S. Like, and this is also the other thing. When, De- when he was in Denver last, it was the passing of the baton to Nikola Jokic from Danilo Gallinari, who had led this Nuggets team for like, you know, a half decade at that point. Now coming in after his time in Oklahoma City with Nikola Jokic, you know, substantially ingratiated as the main focal point of this team, I think it'd be very different than it was at the first time he was here. So we'll have to just wait and see. I think that the idea of Gallo and Denver at the mid-level is perfect because then you can sign Millsap to the biannual exception and just go sign any center at the minimum. And then you just run it back and do what you can. So we'll see. I can't wait. Brendan, I hope that you sleep at all throughout this silly season. We're getting three months of off season in two weeks. Are you doing okay? I'm doing fine, man. I'm doing fine. I was, uh, it seemed like a quick turnaround at first and then you dive back into it and you're like, ah, I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's do it, man. You open up the blinds and it's dark outside all of a sudden because you've been yeah. staring at your screen for so long. <laughs> Brendan, please tell them where to find you, what you guys are going to be doing for the draft. Plug everything. Appreciate you, brother. You can follow me on Twitter at Brendan Vogt, V-O-G-T. Follow us at DNVR underscore Nuggets. You can check out myself, Harrison Wynn, Adam Anas, all of our written content at the DNVR.com. Tomorrow, our draft day live special Five o'clock Mountain Time. We'll be live on YouTube Periscope for the entire draft, covering the entire draft from a Denver Nuggets perspective. Special guests: George Carl, Samus Fendiari, Dave Dufour, Ryan Blackburn, lot going on. So um, check it out. Come hang with us. It should be a lot of fun. Thank you as always for joining me in this chaotic adventure of a podcast. I'm excited for whatever comes next. But stay safe to you. I'll talk to you later, man. Always fun, brother. Always fun. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. 
From game spreads to totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on the season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures every single day. Head to BetOnline today and take full advantage of the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Thank you all again for taking the time to listen to this show. I know it was a long one, but it was a fun one. Lots and lots of silly season shit to get into. So I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as fun as Brendan and I had recording it. There's going to be a lot more podcasts coming, including one tomorrow. Well, potentially today, if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday morning, um, I'm going to recap the draft afterwards, talk about what the player, whoever the Nuggets drafted was and what they said in their interview and what Tim Connolly says in his press conference and yada 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 so we're not stopping there's going to be podcasts coming out it will always be podcasts on the morning of Monday Wednesday and Friday for everybody and there will also be podcasts as needed like the draft that is coming up on Wednesday night so you'll be able to hear about it on Thursday morning and free agency that is starting on Friday night so you or Friday so you can hear about that on Saturday morning we're going to be getting podcasts for all of it so stick around keep this going. This podcast is my priority now. You're going to hear almost all of my conversations about the Nuggets on this medium now. So make sure you subscribe to the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you also go and you uh, find a new way to listen to it if you're listening to it on milehighsports.com. A reminder that this podcast will no longer be found on milehighsports.com. So subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you guys again for tuning in. Thank you to Indeed and Bet Online for sponsoring this show and please 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 keep wearing your mask and keeping this as many people as we can safe going forward but until next time i am tj mcbride from the rocky mountain hoops podcast this is part of the blue wire podcast network and we will talk to you guys later